So, my friends, welcome back to another episode of The Informed Catholic. This is going to be part 14 on the uh, Meditations on the Sentence of Christ for Lent, episode 26 of season 2. My name is Ned Jabbar, so let's open up with a prayer, please. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he arose again from the dead, and he ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there he will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. The, the Act of Penance I confess to Almighty God, to Blessed Mary Ever-Virgin, to Blessed Michael the Archangel, to Blessed John the Baptist, to the Holy Apostles St. Peter and St. Paul, and to all the saints, that I have sinned exceedingly in thought, word, and deed, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I invoke Blessed Mary Ever-Virgin, Blessed Michael the Archangel, Blessed John the Baptist, the Holy Apostles, St. Peter and St. Paul, and all the saints to pray to the Lord our God for me. May Almighty God have mercy upon us, Forgive us all our sins and bring us to everlasting life. Kiri elision, Christe elision, Kiri elision. May the Almighty and merciful Lord grant us pardon, absolution, and remission of all our sins. Amen. The next one will be um, <clears throat> we're going to be saying this uh, for quite some time, I believe. Um, this is going to be the first prayer, is going to be the prayer. Uh, for tribulation, prayer for a time of calamity, and prayer for the time of pestilence. Almighty God, despise not your people who cry unto you in their affliction, but for the glory of your name, turn away your anger and help us in our tribulation through Christ our Lord. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. Prayer for a time of calamity. O Lord Jesus Christ, holy immortal God, have mercy upon us and upon all men. Purify us by your holy blood. Forgive us by your holy blood. Save us by your holy blood, now and forever. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. Prayer in time of pestilence. Grant, we implore you, O Lord, an answer to our hearty supplications, and your wrath being appeased, turn away from us this pestilence that the hearts of men may know that these scourges proceed from your anger and cease by your mercy. Through Christ our Lord, hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. 
Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. <clears throat> Next one, this is prayer for health of body and soul. If you, any, if you know anyone who's sick, or you're going through something, um, some kind of sickness, or you know a friend, or we should just pray for everyone, whether they're sick through um, causes of personal health or because of this coronavirus, um, you should pray for them. We, we also should ask uh, the Mother of our Lord, the Blessed Virgin Mary, to intercede for us. Jesus gave us his mother as a companion for us, someone who can pray and intercede for us. So of uh, those of you who may not be Catholic, there's no shame uh, or fear asking the saints or the mother of Jesus to pray for you, just like asking any relative to pray for you. Uh, she is your mother. She is the mother of your Lord. Uh, look up in the Gospel of Luke. What did the well, Mary, the um, I'm sorry, Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, say? How is it that the mother of my Lord should come to me? <clears throat> and she did say to her, "Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb." Um, for anybody, including a non-Catholic, if you're a Christian, she is your mother. All right, she's your mother through inter the incarnation by the Holy Spirit. She's the daughter of God the Father. She's the mother of God the Son. And yes, she's companion and spouse to the Holy Spirit, not in, in a human way, but in a divine, intimate way. And she is the mother of all the living, those who profess Jesus Christ and uh, through the blood of Jesus Christ, through the cross of Jesus Christ, through the suffering and agony of Christ, and through the resurrection. And remember, Christ on the cross gave her to uh, John, his disciple and apostle, uh, behold your mother. And he said from that hour, he took her into his home. So you can take her into your home. You can take her into your heart. And you can... Uh, ask her to intercede for you, for your family, for your home. It could be for anything, anything, uh, through remission of sins, through uh, any particular trouble, anything you ask. It's not going to hurt, and you're not going to commit a sin. You're not going to offend God. Trust me, you won't, not through Mary. So let's begin. Most Holy Virgin Mother of the incarnate word, treasure house of grace and refuge of us wretched sinners. With lively faith, we have recourse to your motherly love and ask of you the grace of ever doing God's will in yours. In your most holy hands, we place our hearts and of you, we ask of health of body and soul as we have the same hope that you, our most loving mother, will hear us. We say to you with lively faith, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. 
Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. Defend, we invoke you, O Lord, through the intercessions of the Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, your servant from all infirmity, and mercifully deemed to guard the prostrate in the sincerity of their hearts before you against the snares of the enemy, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. One more thing. Um, going back to the subject matter of uh, the mother of our Lord, uh, Mary. Remember that she gave birth to the whole person. No, she did not give birth to his divinity. What Catholics and Orthodox Christians, and especially um uh, you know, like the Coptics, the Coptic Christians of Egypt, as well as the uh, Ethiopian Christians, all recognize and uh, acknowledge her as the mother of the whole person. This is something that the early Christians have always believed. Um, she gave birth to the whole person. God created his own mother. That's the difference that a lot of people don't understand, especially those who are on the other side of the spectrum called Protestants or evangelicals who reject the intercession of saints. But the, the book of Revelation, the, uh, the apocalypse, does have the saints in heaven praying for the saints on earth. And they have bowls with incense, and the incense is the prayers of the saints on earth, and mixed with the prayers of the saints in heaven who pray for them. In the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus went up the mountain, and who appeared? Moses and Elijah in glory. And they were interceding they wanted to have <clears throat> excuse me they wanted to have a meeting with him <laughs> and think about it our lord decided to meet them privately on the mountain and they were concerned about his um mission how he was going to ac <clears throat> accomplish his mission on earth uh some translations would have it his exodus some translations would have it his passover the Passover he's about to accomplish through Jerusalem. And because his mission was later on, that his mission would go out of Jerusalem to the whole world. So you see, the saints of heaven were very concerned, were very, um, they were interested how he was going to accomplish this. And um, you see that there are saints who appear with palm leaves in the book of Revelation. We're going to go over this another time. Uh, the palm leaves are those who have been martyred, who have been put to the test, who have died with the name and the mark of the lamb on their forehead. And this is something that many Christians should really consider. Why would the saints of heaven not stop praying for the saints on earth? 
you know, they have no more worry. They have no more fear. But the book of Hebrews has, and we're going to we're gonna look at that uh, another time. But read what the book of Hebrews said. We're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. This is in the New Testament, the book of Hebrews. Tradition has it was written by St. Paul. I believe it was written by St. Paul. We're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses who are cheering us on. That we may accomplish our mission and join them. You know, to believe that the saints don't. You, why wouldn't they not? They're steering glory. Why can't they not pray for you? You ask a brother and sister in the church, pray for me. But who, who even better than the one who is in heaven? You know, it's, it's, you know, it's something that I want many of uh, my fellow brothers and sisters, and I think we all Catholics and Orthodox Christians and Coptics, we want them to, to, to share in this joy that you have brothers and sisters in heaven who are cheering you on, who are praying for you. You know, some people would have seem to have put a lot of fear in evil spirits and demons, and they put less faith in the saints and the more powerful of all the saints, queen of all the saints, queen of the angels, queen of of all of of the church is Jesus' mother because she's the closest one and all the saints join her in praying for the people on earth for us if more people on earth had more faith and believed in the glory of god and all his saints we probably would have less problems here on earth maybe would even have less problems Maybe you wouldn't even have a coronavirus going around. You wouldn't have AIDS going around. We wouldn't have all these evils going around. But if you just at least think about it, look in the scriptures, look at it carefully. You don't have to be a scholar. You don't have to be uh, a person of great high IQ, IQ intellect. Just look into it. It's there. Everyone has a Bible. Even... Even uh, a bad translation is still a good translation enough that you can see it. It's in there. So we're going to continue now with uh, the scripture reading and uh, our meditations on the sadness of Christ. So we're going to read from the book of Hebrews, uh, chapter 9, which is going to talk about Christ's sacrifice. So let's begin with chapter 9, and we'll try to read it all the way down to verse 28. So let's begin. Now, when the first covenant had regulations for worship and an earthly sanctuary, for a tent was prepared, the outer one, in which were the lampstand and the table and the bread of offering. It is called the holy place. Behind the second curtain stood a tent called the Holy of Holies, having the golden altar of incense and the Ark of the Covenant covered on all sides with gold, which contained a golden urn holding the manna 
and Aaron's rod that budded, and the table of the covenant. Above it were the cherubim of glory, overshadowing the mercy seat. Of these things we cannot cannot now speak in detail. These preparations having thus been made, the priests go continually into the outer tent, performing their ritual duties. But into the second, only the high priest goes, and he only but once a year, and not without taking blood, which he offers for himself and for the errors of the people. But this, the Holy Spirit indicates that the way into the sanctuary is not yet open as long as the outer tent is still standing, which is symbolic for the present age. According to the arrangement, gifts and sacrifices are offered, which cannot perfect the conscience of the worshiper, but deal only with food and drink and various baptisms, regulations for the body imposed until the time of the Reformation. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy place, taking not the blood of goats and calves, but his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the sprinkling of, of defiled persons with the blood of goats and bulls and with the ashes of heifers sanctifies for the purification of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who brought the eternal spirit, offer himself without blemish to God? Purify your conscience from the dead works to serve the living God. Therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Since a death has occurred which redeems them from the transgressions unto the first covenant. For where will for where a will is involved the death of the one who made it must be established, for a will takes effect only at death, since it is not in force as long as the one who made it is alive. Hence, even the first covenant was not ratified without blood. For when every commandment of the law had been declared by Moses to all the people, he took the blood of calves and goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the covenant which God commanded you. In the same way he sprinkled with the blood both the tent and all the vessels used in worship. Indeed, Under the law, almost everything is purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. I think we can stop right here. It's quite a lot. (laughs) So what um, what the author of Hebrews, St. Paul, is saying here, that the old covenant, which was established by Moses, was only meant to be temporary. The symbolism of... The first holy of holies, the first holy place 
uh, which had the lampstand and uh, had all the other uh, regulations, which um, was supposed to symbolize the world under the law. And mankind was was not ready because mankind lived in a different mental state. Um, this basically, uh, Moses uh, followed the instructions of God to set up the worship and the reg, uh, worship service and the map, the map of the worship service, the first tent, the first place. And then there was a second place, which was where the Ark of the Covenant, the book, uh, the book of the law, uh, the Ark of the Covenant had a mercy seat. And above the mer- mercy seat, you've probably seen the movie, The Ten Commandments or some films. I think maybe the best is the Ark, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark where it would have angels and the angels had their faces covered because they couldn't look at God's face. And in the center was, was a, an open space, which was the seat, which sort of symbolized God's throne. And it was a type of model of what it looked like in heaven where God sat and the angels, uh, the, uh, some angels, which were cherubim could not look directly directly at at God. So they had their faces covered. Uh, Some images might show the angels with more than one wing and the wings would cover their eyes. Uh, One pair of wings would cover their eyes so they could not look directly at the the Holy One. Um, In that ark was a jar of a jar, a golden vessel, an urn, and in it had the manna, which the Jewish people were fed during those uh, 40 years of wandering. After their 40 years were over, uh, they the manna stopped. And it stopped at a particular day. So they finally entered the land. The Jewish people, the symbol of them wandering for 40 years was a symbol of the earth living, the mankind not uh, living without the sacrifice of Christ. When the time came, Jesus came and uh, and the incarnation, God came on earth. And remember what Christ said in Capernaum, I am the bread from heaven. My flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood will live forever. And the, the basically throughout the whole time, throughout the history of Israel, the priest had to go into the sanctuary with the blood of bulls and goats and sprinkle it on the ark and sprinkle it on the uh, the books. And then he would go out and sprinkle some of the blood on the people and say, this is the blood of the covenant. Now, that was the blood of goats and bulls that had that, that was used in place of Christ temporarily. Temporarily. It was a meant to be temporarily, not permanent. Afterward, when Christ came, he entered the sanctuary not made by hands through his sacrifice, both his sacrifice on earth, and then he brought himself before the throne of God in heaven and presented not blood and uh, goats and bulls, but his own blood 
that he that would he would shed on every single person that would ever come into faith in Christ and he would and remember when he resurrected his wounds never healed the wound on his hands and feet continued to show remember when he appeared in front of the apostles he had to he proved who he was by showing them his hands and feet and his side remember thomas refused to believe that jesus resurrected and he said to thomas touch my hands and feet and put your hand into my side it is me because his wounds would continue for every single generation that is born into the world until the last soul is born into this world and 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 every every soul that is meant to come into faith in him the wounds are for us so now for of course there's a difference a slight interpretation between protestants and catholics and orthodox the orthodox and catholics as well as the coptic and everyone continue to say holy communion remember jesus said say this as often as you can remember after the resurrection he two two followers on the road to Emmaus. He he opened the scriptures, and then when they sat down for the evening, he took bread, blessed the bread, and then their eyes were opened, and they saw it was Jesus. So for us as Catholics and Coptic, and 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 it would have to be the same for Protestants because Protestants are welcome to come into the Catholic faith. And receive Holy Communion. Holy Communion is receiving the entire resurrected Christ. We're not killing Jesus again. No one can kill Jesus. But Jesus comes to us through the sacrifice of the Mass because he gave the world his body and blood. When you consume and you remember, he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood, I will raise him up the last day. And even though he's alive, I will raise him up still. And though he is dead, I will raise him up still. That's Those are his words. Look it up. John chapter 6. If you have a Bible, look it up. John chapter 6. It's very simple. The sacrifice of Christ is a, is, is a sacrifice to life. And he and he's still offering himself. He's still the high priest in heaven, offering himself, pleading on the parts, on the part of those who who will become his body, members of his mystical body. It's not it's not impossible. It's always there. So, the sanctuary, a better, greater sanctuary was offered. Remember what he said to the woman, a Samaritan woman, not on this mountain or in the Jerusalem. But God is spirit and will be worshipped in spirit. In other words, there, he won't be restricted to one place. No, he's not restricted to the Vatican or St. Peter's Square. He's not restricted to Jerusalem. He's restrict, he, he, He's everywhere. And wherever the sacrifice is offered, it is good enough for Christ. And wherever someone accepts him as Savior, it's good enough for Jesus. He's not restricted to one place. So let's continue with the meditations on Thomas More. This is going to be a very short uh, reading of the Gospel of Luke. It's uh, chapter 22. It's going to, only going to be verse 43 and 44. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven to strengthen him. 
for in his agony he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like drops of blood running down to the ground. Luke chapter 22, verse 43 and 44. Do you realize how intense his mental anguish must have been that an angel should come from heaven to strengthen him? But when we consider this page, I cannot help wondering what nonsense has gotten into the heads of those who contend that it is futile for anyone to seek the intercession of an angel or departed saint, namely on the grounds that we can confidently address our prayers to God himself, not only because he alone is more present to us than all the angels and all the saints put together, but also because he has the power to grant us more and a greater desire to do so than any of the saints in heaven of whatever description. With such trivial and groundless arguments as these, they express their envious displeasure at the glory of the, of the saints, who are in turn equally displeased with such uh, men. For they strive to undermine the loving homage we, we pay to the saints and the saving assistance they render to us. Why should these shameless men not follow the same line of reasoning here and argue that the angel's effort to offer consolation to our Savior was utterly pointless and superfluous. For what angel of them all was as powerful as he himself, as near to him as God, since he himself was God? But in fact, just as he, he wished to undergo sadness and anxiety for our sake, so too for our sake he wished to have an angel uh, comfort him for a number of reasons. But to refute the foolish arguments of such men and to make it clear that he was truly a man, for just as angels ministered to him as God when he had triumphed over the temptations of the devil, so too an angel came to comfort him as a man while he was making his lowly progress toward death, and moreover to give us hope that if we direct our prayers to God when we are in danger, we cannot lack consolation always provided we do not pray in a lazy manner or way, but rather imitate Christ in this passage by sighing and praying from the bottom of our hearts. It's true. If you remember uh, when Jesus was in the desert and after he undergoed the, uh, that supernatural um, event where the devil appeared to him, an angel came and comforted him and ministered to him after he finished his his ordeal uh, with the devil. The angel came and ministered to him. And then in the garden, while he was undergoing uh, the mental trauma of becoming the... the um, the sacrifice for the whole world, taking upon himself all the, the the sins of mankind, especially, I would think, probably the most greatest uh, insult was the fact of Christians, hypocritical Christians, because those who are outside don't care. 
but the, the the evil that is committed within the church where evil men remember like Judas Iscariot Judas was not just a, a disciple he wasn't just an apostle he became a priest he became a, a bishop an apostle is one sent and Judas w took that office and we see that because in the book of Acts, Peter and the others had to find a replacement and said, let someone else take up his office. Let him, let his tent be folded out and cast out, his tent being his body. Judas went and hanged himself after he betrayed our Lord. Judas was a bishop. He took the office and he'll be greatly judged more on the day of judgment for the blasphemies he committed. He he only used Jesus for money, for his own personal comforts. We see that with a lot of people. You see that with these televangelists on television who ha who who you know who are very rich, right? I mean a lot of you guys I'm sure you know heard about these these guys have all these airplanes and they have uh, a big mansions and everything. They got rich. They got rich. You know, I mean, they, they you know, and then we have also Catholic bishops who live very comfort comfortably and are worried about just as their bottom line. They're worried about the bottom line, too. Trust me, this this Easter, the fact that we're not having Easter, this they're suffering. The bottom line is hurting them and they um, they will do anything to protect their bottom line, even if it means abusing Christ. If they could crucify him again especially to silence him because they think the church is theirs now, not his. That's that's what a lot of these guys think. They think the church is all theirs. It's not theirs. It belongs to Christ. And they will the when Christ is done with them, he'll give he'll give it to those who are more worthy. These guys, they're just they're they're in it right now for the moment and they think it's theirs and uh I know I think when the time, when the time comes, you're going to see a, a just as Jesus cleared out the marketplace when he entered Jerusalem, he'll also clear out the marketplace with them. But the abuses, the abuses, this is the most horrific thing. Remember in the last podcast when they thought that Jesus was delayed, they started abusing the mem the sheep. They started abusing the members of his household because they, they want it to be theirs. They want it to be theirs. They want it to be theirs. I mean, there was one bishop, I think, in Texas. Uh, he's a real monster. People have wrote a lot of complaints about him uh, to the Vatican. Uh, he he thinks the sheep should just shut up and follow him. Um he there's even uh, he doesn't like when one priest opposed him because he did wrong. He wanted to kill the priest. He wanted you know he wanted to he wanted to torture him and kill him. He actually said it to to members of his uh, of his parishioners or his office. You know I would like to kill this guy. I like to run him over something like that. I mean this is this is a bishop talking about one of his own priests in his own parish, his own diocese, and you see that. Uh, the sweat of blood is the constant abuses that Jesus was getting. Jesus saw all of it, all of it that was happening. More is the evil within. Remember, judgment first begins with the house of God. The scripture, Paul said it. 
Judgment first begins with the house of God. Catholics are not unaware about this. Some of them, uh, there are some Catholics who prefer not to know. There's a lot of Christians, I think, that don't want to know what their bishops are are doing wrong. Um, they just want to think of the good things. Those, the, those are the ones who just want to stick their heads down in the sand like an ostrich and pretend it's not happening. But you don't leave the church. You don't abandon it. Remember when Jesus taught about his body and blood he there were some disciples that said this is ridiculous we can't we can't take this um they left him then he turned to the apostles and said do you too want to leave me and peter answered where are we to go you have the words of eternal life judgment first begins in the house of god those of us who follow jesus have to follow him and have to realize, be aware of evil within within the house of God. We have to be aware what other members could be doing wrong. And this is something that's important. Um, let me just finish reading um, this passage here, which goes into the great drops of blood a little bit more. Most scholars affirm that what Christ suffered for us was more painful than the suffering of any of all the martyrs of whatever time or place who underwent martyrdom for the faith. But others disagree because there are various other sorts of torture than those which Christ was subject, and some torments have been extended over a period of several days, a longer time than those of Christ lasted, then, too, they think that since one drop of Christ's precious blood, because of his infinite divinity, would have been far more than enough to redeem all mankind. Therefore, his ordeal was not ordained by God according to standards of anyone else's suffering, but according to the proper measure of his own unfathomable wisdom. But since no one can know this measure with certainty, they hold that it is not pre uh, prejudice to the faith, to believe that Christ's pain was less than that of some of the martyrs. But as for me, apart from the widespread opinion of the church, which fittingly applies to Christ Jeremiah's words about Jerusalem, all you who pass by, the, they, the way they look and see if there's any sorrow like mine, all you who pass by, who pass by the way, look and see if there's any sorrow like mine. This is Lamentations from Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 12. Certainly I find that this passage also provides a very convincing reason to believe that no martyr's torments could ever be, be compared with Christ's suffering, even on this point of the intensity of the pain. Yeah, that's true. There's a lot of people, there's some Christians who think that because he's divine, that the truth is he never really felt any suffering. That's not true. Remember, he was a he was a whole person, a whole person. His divinity and his humanity were were in one person. He had two natures in one person. Jesus felt a lot of experience, great pain and great sorrow, and him sweating blood. Uh, some even call it the first rosary because remember it great drops of beads some translations try the beads of blood that came down the intensity the mental anguish the pain 
that uh, that he felt the pain of those people who 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 were abused. He felt the pain of uh, of the saints. A lot of the betrayal, the great the great amount of betrayal comes from your fellow Christians. Remember, uh, Judas betraying him was like the betrayal, the pain and suffering that happened when Cain turned on Abel, uh, when Adam and Eve uh, lied to God in the garden, uh, when Noah felt betrayed by one of his sons, when one of his sons violated uh, the marriage bed uh, after the flood. Remember Joseph, Joseph in the, the Old Testament, his own brothers turned on him and pretended he died and lied to their father. Jacob, Israel, was a picture of God the Father, and, and the brothers were a picture. Joseph was a type picture of a Christ. Remember, they didn't recognize him after many years when they went to Egypt to get food. And food is a type of meaning of the, the sacrifice, the sacrifice of Christ, the sacrifice of, of the, the grain, grain you know the the bread the the bread the wine and bread that uh, Christ gave on his last supper was a type picture of that and he them not recognizing just like they didn't recognize Jesus looked different after his resurrection all this was all about betrayal because constant betrayal and lying to God and using and abusing God and abusing his gifts the the Joseph's brothers were type picture of of sinners within the church who will abuse Christ and his gifts. So we have to, you know, we have to remember this is not a this is not new. And all this is happening now around the world. Possibly, yes. Why wouldn't it be a punishment from God? Why wouldn't it be a chastisement? The world abuses his gifts, abuse and pretends and pretends that God doesn't care. He does care. He's calling us back to him. He's calling us back to him to reform ourselves, to change us. This evil is because we brought it upon ourselves because we constantly, constantly um, abuse his gifts. So let's end it with a prayer and we'll continue another time. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory now and forever. Amen. So uh, I want to welcome Canada. Now, uh, my podcast is heard in Canada as well as is heard in Italy. And yeah, Portugal, um, Philippines. My podcast is heard in the Philippines. Uh, now it's also uh, United Kingdom, Australia, of course, obviously the United States, um, and we're also uh, heard in Cambodia, which is you know uh, I'm surprised by that, but Cambodia and um, so uh, if you can uh, share the podcast with other people and subscribe, and uh, let's hope that uh, people are pleased. If you give me feedback. And uh, what can I do to improve um, and what I'm doing wrong? Uh, it would be great. So uh, subscribe and uh, 
you know, pass it along to other people. I hope uh, people are pleased. And if you think uh, I'm doing anything wrong, just uh, send me some feedback, please. So God bless, and I'll hear from you guys soon.